I love it. I love that. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we take a few moments today not to, not to drive through for a quick religious buzz or a fast, uh, a fast exchange, but we come to have our souls fed today on the bread of life, on Jesus. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can say it kind of any way you want to say it. Uh, you just say garbage in, garbage out. You could say you are what you eat and it just kind of works that way. If you eat well and you imbibe on good things, then your body is energized and ready to go. And if you eat bad stuff, garbage in, garbage out, you, you're in bad shape. You run out of gas, you run out of fuel, it just doesn't work. Your body's not made to work and run on garbage, it's made to run on good, nutritious food. And this morning, John chapter 6 has us thinking about what is good for our heart and our soul as Jesus continues talking to us about being the bread of, of life. Garbage in, garbage out. If you are what you eat, then I've gone from being a cow or a pig to being a shrimp or a crab. You take your pick. But I remember going to school in Minnesota, and um, I was thinking about this week as I had worked on this message, and uh, remembered going out to Wisconsin to go and have a good time on Friday nights, because in Wisconsin, the, the legal age was 18 years old, and in Minnesota, it was the towering age of 19 years old, and so there was a constant string of cars going from the University of Minnesota and the colleges in the area out to Hudson, Wisconsin, and you'd cross the bridge and it was like you'd gone across the Nevada border if you're driving from California. It's just all bets are off. And so there was a little cottage industry there in western Wisconsin, in Hudson. This bar for that and this store for that. You could do this and do that. You could do this you couldn't do in Minnesota and you could do that which you couldn't do in Minnesota. But if you went to Wisconsin, you could have it all. Or at least we thought because the Minnesota State Patrol knew darn well what was going on in Wisconsin because they would sit right across the border on the hill going back up on the 94 freeway and the red lights and the blue lights would pop every young person on their way home back to Minnesota. We never got in that kind of trouble. But we did end up on the corner of Lexington and University Avenue in kind of a hardcore part of St. Paul in the parking lot of the White Castle. Now, the people who grew up in the Midwest who'd maybe spent some time in Chicago or St. Louis or Minneapolis knew exactly what White Castle was when I began to speak this morning, and uh, yeah. In 1983-84, a White Castle cheeseburger was 25 to 30 cents. And we would stand there in that parking lot and say, how much money you got? I got $1.32, I got 85 cents, I got nothing. My friend Eric, who was from Florida, never had anything when we were coming home from Wisconsin, but a big smile on his face. But 
that was a different story for a different message. So we'd pool our dollars together in our cents, and we'd end up with somewhere 10 to 12 bucks. And at a quarter of the row, we'd order 20 of those little sliders, they were called. And it wasn't sliders in a good sense, like if you go to Lazy Dog. It was sliders because they slid down and then they slid out. And it was just <laughs> bad. But it was two in the morning and it's what you could have, it's what you could eat, it's what you, you could afford. And I've still, I've taken my own son to that White Castle there and I don't know why, but I did. My wife says it's not even food. She says you, you eat it, you don't know what you're eating, but you eat it so quickly. And it makes you so sick the next day. But 25 cents a piece at 2 in the morning, late at night, it's your only option, really, that's viable, if you use the word viable in a big, wide sense. But garbage in, garbage out. We wolfed those sliders down, and the next day you were sick with just awful stomach pains because of what was or what was not in that food. I think many Americans want religion, want faith to be drive in, drive out. Came in, we parked our car, we had a little white castle, spiritually speaking, and we never really turned off the car, we never really calmed everything down, we just kind of got in and got out and did our duty. We put a little bit of money in here, we fill out our card, they mark it on the database and everything's good. No, in John chapter 6, Jesus won't let that happen. It's not what he's about. He is the bread of life. He's the bread of life that's come down from heaven. He, he comes to feed our souls. And while the dietary habits of mankind are to eat what's available, not necessarily that which is nutritious, Jesus says work for food that lasts. And we wonder why we're spiritually disconnected. We wonder why we're spiritually kind of disenfranchised and wondering where the church and Jesus is going. We wonder why we struggle in our relationships and, and why we're not on the same page as one another in all the conversations of life. We, we wonder maybe why in some of our relationships we're on survival mode and how we're going to get from here to there because we just don't seem to have the energy or the strength or the spiritual mojo or sustenance to hang in there and move through difficult times. Maybe it's because we've gone after a white castle, a McDonald's, a Burger King, a fast food way of, of doing faith. You bop in, you bop out. You got a little something to eat and it's going to last until about one o'clock this afternoon and then what? Or maybe that little spiritual buzz will last until tomorrow when you punch in at 0830 and you say, I got to go to work. Now, where's Jesus? Maybe in a spiritual buzz and kind of a minimalistic way, we're healthy, but maybe we're not nourished properly. I'll never forget going to Vietnam and Dr. Nu, who is one of the chief nutrition experts at, in the government of Vietnam, the National Institute of Nutrition, said to me, you are overnourished. I'm going to go see that guy one of these days. So in John chapter 6, Jesus lays it out. He says, I am the bread of life. 
He's saying, I'm what's best for your soul. He's saying, I'm what is essential for life here and now. And I'm essential for what is life and eternity in the future. Don't take a shortcut. Don't drive through. He then says that the will of his father is to rescue, as we just sang, to save and to deliver his people. That's what he does. That's what he's all about. The people in John chapter 6 had just gone through the feeding of the 5,000. They followed Jesus around the lake. They thought they were going to get all this bread. And, and maybe they thought he'd give a loaf of this and a loaf of that and some fish on the side. And Jesus says, don't get caught up in what you've seen and what you've eaten. That was just a foreshadow of what I'm going to do when I give my life for the life of the world. And so that day, Jesus delivers the essentials, the bread that nourishes the soul, the grace that nourishes the life, the, the unconditional love that nourishes who we are in Christ. He delivered that day as sure as he delivers this morning. Jesus delivers the essentials of God's love for you and me, not like a box of chocolates that you kind of wonder what's going to happen how's this going to be we'll put your finger in that one and cut this one i don't like this and i don't like that and i won't eat this dad will you eat the one that has nuts in it because that's gross god's love is not like that it's not like a box of chocolates it's a deep refreshing bread of life from heaven that creates a sustaining and nourishing connection with god and his father in heaven and the love that he has is focused on his unselfishness towards his people. Not giving away bread and saying, well, I'm going to have to have a little something for that. But giving away his body on the cross for you and me. And saying, I'm laying it all out here for you. Because I love you. And because I want you to be with me. And because I'm committed to keep my word to my father that I'm not going to lose one person that you've delivered to me. And so we come hungry and he delivers. We come tired and undernourished from sin and the broken effects of life in this world. And he gathers us together in these moments and feeds us and guides us as his people. He reaches down, not with a, a, a bag of spiritual white castles, but he reaches in with the bread of life and says, I am with you always. And I will sustain you. And my love is the very, very best for you. What's beautiful about this service is not only your singing and not only our prayer and not only the scripture readings, but what's beautiful about this service is that when I'm done, I'm going to step down. I'm going to come right up to where Mitch and Olga and Dr. Henderson is, and we're going to celebrate the sacrament together. And it's never flashy and it's never fancy. I never have fancy bread for you. I don't have homemade bread. Some pastors do, but, but it's essential. You see, it's this little supper, this, this little communion that reminds us that life here is found in Jesus Christ. It reminds us that he suffered and died for us and that we belong to him and that we are marked with his sign on our hearts. And it reminds us that there's something bigger and grander going on in Jesus that lasts forever. That's the kind of meal that I want to be a part of. 
that delivers forgiveness of sins and life and salvation and connection with people in the body of Christ. A little bit of unleavened bread and a little bit of wine given as the body and blood of Christ for you and me. Just a little taste of heaven. But that which is essential for our souls and that which has staying power is the best meal you've ever had. It's the best meal you've ever had. Corona Del Mar, sun going down, beautiful basket of bread, nice piece of fridge, people you love the most around you. Waiter comes to bring the bill and you said, I got this and I would pay 10 times more for what I've just experienced around this table with these people I love. One of the meals I had that was the very best was at the ranch. Mike Rossi is the executive chef and his brother David is the pastry chef, the dessert guy. They're famous chefs in Orange County. Both came from St. John's. As a matter of fact, Michael's sons go to school here and he does an awesome, awesome job. But because he knew we were coming in that night, he had prepared some stuff. So we sat down, he comes out and he said, would you like this? And I said, sure. And I, you know, I'll eat anything. I just kind of a vacuum cleaner. It's just kind of said, what is that? He goes, well, it's thus and such and thus and such, and you cook it this way, and it really tastes good, doesn't it? You say, yeah, you know, it really does. He tricked my wife into eating raw fish that night. And she looked and she said, are you sure that's not cooked? And I said, I don't think it's cooked. I think it's raw fish. And she goes, it's pretty good. And I said, yeah, it's pretty good. After we did that, we had something to drink and hung out a little bit. And we talked and somehow around the table, you just don't want to leave. And, and, and you know, when, when you're of my age, we had my son and his fiance at the time and my daughter with us. And we just sat and talked. And finally, the server comes and says, would you like to order dinner? And everyone ordered something beautiful. And we sat and talked and hung out. And no one really wolfed down their meal and... And not just were our bodies fed, but our souls were fed. The gift of each other, the gift of listening, the gift of connecting, the gift of family closeness and unity. Came time for dessert, which is a very important part of any dinner experience. David came out and he said, try this and try that, and try this and try that. And he brought ice cream out and he said, what do you think's in the ice cream? I said, hope nothing grows. He smiles. There's popcorn in the ice cream. I said, did you spill it or did you put it in there for real? And he goes, just try it. Whenever I begin to talk about that meal, whenever I begin to think about that, I remember the food. But even more than that, I remember the time and the people and the conversation. It's not White Castle or McDonald's or Burger King. It's something rich and deep and wonderful. It's a little bit like being a Christian and 
eating the bread of life. So many times we want our faith experience to be so quick and so meaningless, but just for the moment. And, and Jesus slows us down. And he says, wait a minute, there's a bigger table, a bigger feast. There's something that, that is good for your soul and something that you need that will sustain you day in and day out until you're with me in eternity. And it's called faith. So trust and believe in me, Jesus says. And you'll never be hungry. And you'll never be alone. And that's the bigger picture that he leads us to right here and right now. One of the hardest things in my surgical thing for weight loss has been slowing down. My wife and I were in at a post-op appointment, a pre-op appointment, and Dr. Laporte looked at me, and he's a little skinny guy. I was probably at that point more than twice as big as him. I could have got up and hulked over him and thought, you know, what are you telling me what to do? And then I'm reminded, he's the surgeon, and you're here for a purpose, so just be quiet and listen. He said two things. Two things. He said, men like you, and he got right in my face. He goes, men like you, you eat too fast. So chew everything you put in your mouth 20 times. 20 times. Have you ever tried to chew something 20 times? It liquefies in the back of your mouth. And going from a, a pattern of taking two bites and swallowing and two bites and swallowing and a bite and swallowing and not chewing your food is very, very difficult. But it really slowed me down. And it's amazing how you can taste your food when you're not wolfing it down. And the second thing he said was, five minutes. And I go, right, meals are five minutes. I can eat anything you can put in front of me in five minutes. You put a 12-ounce ribeye in, I can eat that in five minutes with a baked potato in it. Man, them days are over. He says, five minutes between bites. <laughs> Chew it 20 times in five minutes between bites. Whoa! You eat a lot less when you do that. And it tastes a lot better. And you're more in tune to the people around you. And you listen and participate in a different way. Because it isn't just about wolfing down dinner. It's about being in the moment and being connected to the people you love. Last night, we had one of those experiences here. Our healing service was a powerful thing last night. As I said, we weren't in any hurry to get rid and be done with it. So the service went for two hours. We prayed for almost 40 people. Everyone was touched. Everyone was loved. Everyone left fuller and nourished on the bread of life which is Jesus and his healing power. Slowed down, chewed thoroughly, richly, deeply together. That's what Jesus is speaking of here in John chapter 6. So many times in my own habits and in my own work of preaching and leading, 
9.30 church needs to be done because 11 o'clock church needs, and we got to get it done. Chew. Take your time. Breathe in. It's not a drive-through religion and a drive-through faith. It's about Jesus, the bread of life, who comes to deliver that which is essential for you here and now, and that which delivers you into life eternal. We're almost there. We're almost ready. And when the time is right, we'll eat. Amen.